All right, we're in Galatians chapter 4 and in verse 21, he says, Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? What Paul's basically saying right there, those of you who want to be under the law, don't you understand what it says? He's basically saying, if you want to be under the law, do you not realize that means you're going to hell? That's basically what he... It doesn't make sense for someone to want to be under the law, yet he's been dealing with people in this letter who want to be under the law, who want to go back to the things of the old covenant, who want to go back to the things of the temple. And so he tells them here, he goes into this allegory and he says, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman by promise, which things are an allegory. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. And so notice how Paul said, Jerusalem is in bondage with her children. Now, the reason they were in bondage is because they were still under the law. Now, all they have to do to get out of that is believe on Christ and then they would be set free. Jesus Christ came and he preached liberty to the, cap- liberty to the captives. And he, he proclaimed liberty. We're going to see scriptures on that in a little bit. But these people, they're saying, nope, we want to stay right where we're at. And Paul's telling them you're in bondage. You don't understand the law. If you understand the law, you realize you're on your way to hell. And But he's talking here to the, as he's talking to the church, talking about those who are saved, he's letting them know that we are not a people in bondage. We are, we are not a people in bondage uh, like those in Jerusalem who's in bondage with her children. But we're from Jerusalem, which is above. He said, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free. And is the mother of us all. So we need to understand too, and I don't want to go deep into this, but we've got an earthly Jerusalem and we do have a heavenly Jerusalem. And so I do claim to be a part of Jerusalem, but ladies and gentlemen, it's the heavenly, not the earthly. I'm not interested in the earthly. And it says, For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit, even so it is now the Jews were persecuting those who were of Isaac, those who were born of the Spirit. That was going on then because they were of Ishmael. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman should not be heir with the son of the free woman. And ladies and gentlemen, the Jews who have rejected Christ, they're not going to be heirs with us. Okay? They're, they're not... I'm sorry, they, don't have, they have an inheritance coming, but it's not one that any of us want any part of. It's called hell. You know why? Because they're under the law. And so he says, So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. And if you're saved today, we do have a city, but it's a heavenly Jerusalem. It's not here on this earth. If you are saved today, you are free. You are not in bondage. And you know what? We don't ever want to let people try to pull us into bondage again, especially like they were doing back in that day. And in the book of Galatians, Paul is dealing with people who they're literally adding works to salvation, they're, which is which, which making salvation not even of grace at all. And this false teaching, it wasn't something that people fell for 
by a misreading of the scripture or based on something Paul taught, but it came from Judaizers who just couldn't let go of the things of the law, that couldn't let go of the things of the temple. We've been showing you how, in the book of Acts how even the church, even the saved in the book of Acts just could not let go of the things of the temple. They just they had such a hard time with it. And, and because of that, they were not very effective and they apostatized and they had great problems. As a result, and God quit using Israel as a nation and God started using Gentiles from all over because they just couldn't let go of these things. And so not only were these people not capable of letting go of works for salvation, they weren't capable of letting go of a city. In the city of Jerusalem, think about this. They had the temple. They had the things of the law. For 500 years, Israel had the tabernacle where they did the things of worship, the sacrifices, for 500 years they did that. After 500 years, Solomon builds a temple that they used between the two temples about a thousand years. Okay, Folks, think about traditions we can't get over in America when our country is only not even 250 years old. Imagine having a history as long as theirs and, and having these things. For, I mean, over a millennium, they had these things. We can kind of understand why they probably had a tough time letting go of them. Now, let me tell you, it's not like God didn't make it clear he wanted them to let go of it. When he ripped that veil in two in the temple, that should have told people something right there. That was a miraculous thing right there amongst many other things that God did. But you know, God did, Jesus came, he replaced those things in the temple because man wasn't capable of getting these things right through the law. The blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. And as a result of the rejection of Christ, and the inability of the Jews to let go of the things of the temple and of the city of Jerusalem, God had it destroyed. And you know, a lot of people, they act like you shouldn't really talk about this that much because it's not recorded in the Bible. But here's the thing, it's prophesied about a lot in the Bible. And we're not talking about that. And as a result, people today, across the board, in Christianity, even amongst Baptists, we are allowing bad teachers, bad people to bring people into bondage, connecting them to a city that, folks, we have no part of. A city that's in bondage. And let me tell you, the title of my sermon today is Jerusalem, a city of bondage. That place over there, I, I, I did. I had the, the blessing and the privilege of spending a lot of time over there in the last couple of weeks. And I, I saw a lot of things. I saw a lot of stuff. I got a lot of inspiration while I was there for, for some preaching. But let me tell you, the, the main, one of the main things I saw when I was over there is I was reminded of why God had that city destroyed, why it needed to be destroyed, and why this attempt to get everybody talking about Jerusalem, this attempt to get everybody focused on Israel, it is doing a lot of damage. And you can see it when you get over there. We'll talk about how it's manifesting itself. But God had it destroyed for a reason, we see throughout the Bible when people were attached to things like idols or buildings, God wouldn't tell them to just forsake those things. You know what he would do? He would destroy those things. How about the Tower of Babel? Okay, where, where was the Tower of Babel at? I mean, they, built, they were building this massive tower. Where is it at? You know what? Nobody really knows for sure. There's theories, there's speculation, there's people that have opinions on it. But nobody knows for sure where the Tower of Babel was. You know why? Because God had it destroyed. Because it, it, was a, it was a stumbling block. 
It was an idol. It was keeping people from God's plan for their life. It was keeping people from God's purpose. It was a rejection of God. I heard someone say it the other day and it made a lot of sense. I'd never thought about this before, but he thinks they were building the Tower of Babel in case God flooded the world again. They, they could protect themselves being high enough. You know what? And you know what? That makes sense because what is it that God always gets upset with? It's when people don't believe him. And what did God tell Noah and his family after they came out of the ark and he put the rainbow in the sky? He promised he was never going to flood the world again. But what did the people of earth do? Let's build a tower that reaches up to heaven. You know, I don't know, maybe thinking in case God doesn't keep his promise. Isn't that, and isn't that why a lot of people don't just trust what God said about salvation? Believe on Christ and you'll be saved. I don't know if God's going to keep that promise. I probably better earn it too. I better be good enough. No, you need to believe God is what you need to do. And when you don't believe God, you're going to get in trouble. But the Tower of Babel, nobody really knows where it was today. Remember the brazen serpent? I mean, that was pretty cool. So that was a graven image. Well, you know what? Who cares? God told Moses to make it. And he made it. And people looked at it and they lived. But did you know that eventually became an idol? And you know what? Eventually Hezekiah, he had it destroyed. Because it had become, it had become an idol. Oh, he shouldn't have done that. God was the one that told him to make it. Hey, that brazen serpent served its purpose. God was done with it. He wasn't still healing people with it. People were worshiping it. It became a problem. It needed to go. And let me tell you, that temple, it had a purpose. Jerusalem, it had a purpose. It needed to be done. People are still saying today, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Go read the rest of that chapter. You know why it said to do that? Because the house of the Lord was there. The house of the Lord's not there anymore, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, if you want to pray for it, go ahead. But you know what? I'll pray for the Rock Falls. And I'm just as right with God for that. I'll pray with Tim. I'll pray for Timbuktu. And I'm just as right with God as you are. If you want to pray for Jerusalem, you can pray for whatever city you want. But, but either way, it served a purpose, but God finished with it. Even things like Noah's Ark. Okay. What, folks, what do you think would happen if they found Noah's Ark? I, I, I know exactly what would happen. Christians and Jews would go over there and start kissing it and worshiping it. I promise they would do that. I, I promise. That that is exactly what they would do. Now, I'm not saying it would be wrong for them to find it. And if they ever find Noah's Ark and I get a chance to go take a look at it, I'm going to go over and take a look at it. I'm not kissing it. I'm not going to worship it. But I will. I, I definitely go take a look at it. You know, how about the Ark of the Covenant? What do you think would happen if people found the Ark of the Covenant? They would worship it. They would go nuts over it. And again, I don't think it would be a sin to go see those things. But I believe those things would cause many people to sin. And folks, God doesn't want people sinning. All it does is prove the Bible true. Like the Bible itself doesn't prove itself true. Why don't you just believe God? Why do you have to see, why do you have to see these things in order to believe? Now, you know, what did God end up doing to Jerusalem? Because we see here in Galatians, it was a city that was in bondage. And we see in Jeremiah 9, verse 9, God says, Shall I not visit them for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? For the mountains will I take up a weeping and wailing, and for the habitations of the wilderness a lamentation, because they are burned up so that none can pass through them. Neither can men hear the voice of cattle, both the fowl of the heavens and the beasts are fled. They are gone. And I will make Jerusalem heaps and a den of dragons. And I will make the cities of Judah desolate without an inhabitant. 
Who is that? Who is the wise man that may understand this? And who is he to whom the mouth of the Lord has spoken that he may declare it? For what the land perisheth and is burned up like a wilderness that none passeth through. And the Lord said, Behold, they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, neither walked therein, but have walked after the imagination of their own heart, and after Balaam, which their fathers taught them. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed them, even this people, with wormwood, and give them water of gall to drink. And I will scatter them also among the heathen, whom they nor their fathers have known, and I will send a sword after them, till I have consumed them. So notice here, God said, I'm going to make Jerusalem heaps. Now, I don't have time to go into all the details of this, but a lot of people say, well, this is something that happened after the Babylonian destruction. But there, I, I do believe there was, this is a dual fulfillment thing, that there, this partially happened, but it didn't really fully happen until years later after Jerusalem was destroyed, and it literally became heaps. Now, folks, anybody know what a tell is? Okay. You've heard of things like Tel Aviv, and if you go to Israel, there's all these different tells. A tell is basically a, it's like an abnormal looking hill that's out there where they know there's ruins of a city under there. Back then, when they built everything with stone, whenever things would be destroyed and left desolate for years, it would just, over time, it would just get covered with dirt, and it would just kind of be a heap, and they would just build over it. It would, be, it would become a heap. You go over to Jerusalem today, and, you know, they, they dug down super far and they find all these things from different periods. And it is, I mean, Jerusalem, it's really kind of amazing when you just see all the things have been excavated and how much things have been built up over the centuries. It's, we don't have anything like this in America, so it's kind of foreign to us. But folks, the area where uh, we've been working on for the documentary, where they believe the temple was, this is what was interesting. And the guy who... Uh, was one of the main excavators of this who discovered a lot of these things who literally found where there used to be a temple. He, he said that there was basically heaps of rubbish and debris and dirt over it. That sounds kind of like what God prophesied was going to happen to Jerusalem, to Zion, to the city of David is going to become a heap. You know what that means? When God is saying that, it's going to be destroyed and it's going to be forgotten. That's what he's basically saying. We see in Micah, or Jeremiah 26, 18, it's referring to Micah. And it says, Micah, the Morashathite, prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and spake to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed like a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountains of the house as the high places of a forest. He's basically saying, it's going to be gone. It's going, to be, it's going to get plowed. These, this place where there's all these buildings and all these stones, it's going to all be gone, God's saying, and it's going to be forgotten. Micah 3.12 says, Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house of the high places of the forest. Now what's funny, the place that everybody's used to looking at where they t that they call the Temple Mount, that place has never become heaps. That place has ruins you can find that go back to the time of Christ and things like that. But you know what? In the city of David area where the temple was, it literally became heaps. 
It literally got plowed like a field. You study history. In 70 AD, there wasn't one stone left upon another. When they burnt that temple down, the Romans, they stripped it all down to the very foundation, trying to get into all the gold. They went into the cracks and crevices. They removed everything. About 60 years later, the Jews tried to rebuild that temple again during the Bar Kokhba revolt. And the emperor at that time, he said, you know what? We have got to remove the memory of the, of the city, the, remove the memory of the temple, so they'll stop trying to rebuild it. And they went and tore down what they had done, and they literally plowed over it. And they built a temple to Saturn there. And they changed the name of the place because he wanted the Jews to forget. And you know what? God wanted them to forget. It was God that had it destroyed, according to Daniel chapter 9, because Jews couldn't let go of it. And God didn't want it anymore. But yet we see today, people, even Christians, are still calling even Christians to get their focus back on Jerusalem. And we see in John chapter 4, John chapter 4, but it was clear from the mouth of prophets that Jerusalem wasn't always going to be around. So, And now while that may sound sad, understand what a burden it, it would have been on the people to go to Jerusalem. Back then, every year they had to go to things like the Feast of Tabernacles. They had to stay in tents outside Jerusalem. Can you imagine doing that on foot back then? And folks, it's not like traveling in Illinois where everything's flat. I mean, there are hills and mountains everywhere, steep hills and mountains all over the place. Imagine traveling on foot, traveling on donkey and taking your family that far. When you went, if you, know, if you had a firstborn, you had to go to the temple. You had to offer up sacrifices there. I mean, you were going to Jerusalem multiple times a year if you were of the nation of Israel. But you know what Jesus said to the woman at the well, that Samaritan woman, that woman who was kind of an outsider, who the Jews were, uh, were keeping people like her away from the temple and away from the things of Jerusalem. The woman saith unto him, verse 19, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know that what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him." God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? So notice how Jesus told her, he said, listen, the time coming and it's here when you're not going to have to worship, not even in this mountain and not even in Jerusalem. You know what Jesus is telling her? These things of the temple, these things of Jerusalem, these things of law, they're coming to an end. And Jesus completed those things. Folks, Jerusalem served its purpose. Y'all understand that? It served its purpose. And we ought to understand as Christians today, we have no need for an earthly city like that. But yet today, I heard a Baptist preacher one time get up in church and encourage people in church to save up money, take a trip to Jerusalem, go to the Wailing Wall, and you're more likely to get your prayers answered there. Folks, that's ridiculous. 
That is long gone. We do not need that kind of thing anymore. Listen, I love sightseeing. Okay, I, I, I like going to Philadelphia and seeing Independence Hall. I like going and seeing historical places for America. And it is, it's really cool to go to places like Israel and see the things there and see, you know, know that you're in the general area where things happen. But ladies and gentlemen, we don't need Jerusalem. We don't have to have it. You don't have to go there. These things are not important. But yet many people today in many religions are calling people to go back to Jerusalem. I know Baptist preachers that are telling people that you are not doing your job as a church if you are not prioritizing Jerusalem as a mission field. He's telling, he's telling people that. Because Jesus said, you'll be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, and guess what? They were witnesses in Jerusalem. And guess what? Thousands of people got saved. You know, they, they did that. In the uttermost parts of the earth. That doesn't mean all of us have to prioritize that. And he knows that we can't all go to Jerusalem and go soul winning over there. So what do we do? We get we give them money. And don't I don't have time to get going on what's going on with churches over there in Jerusalem. Closed mission field, my hind leg. Folks, they have churches over there. They have Christian areas over there. And I get it. You might not be able to go and evangelize as freely like you do in America. You know, you'll probably get in trouble if you're doing some proselytizing and stuff. But this, you know, cloak and dagger secret church stuff that they're doing over there is completely unnecessary. The, 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 the amount of baloney that goes on about Jerusalem, about Israel, is astounding, ladies and gentlemen. When you hear Jews talking about Jerusalem, you're probably getting baloney. When you hear Zionist Baptists, you're getting even faker baloney. I, I think I think they're probably the worst of all. I just I have so many lies and untruths to report about what's going on over there. I don't have I don't have time to get into all these things. But folks, it is so important that we understand the reasons that God finished with the things of the temple. And there are many, but what I want to focus on today is this aspect of freedom and liberty that it enables us to have because God has done with those things. And beware of anyone that tries to get you connected to your Hebrew roots, that's trying to get you connected to Jerusalem, that's trying to get you connected to all these things and making it a priority. Folks, we don't have to have... Listen, if you get the privilege and the chance to go visit Israel, that's fantastic. Okay? I think it'd be great. I want to visit Egypt really bad. I think it'd be cool to see the pyramids. But you know what? Is it, is it going to help my spiritual life? No. Do I have to have it? No. But here's what we need to understand. As long as there is an earthly temple and an earthly city, then men can and will rule over your spiritual lives. And that is exactly what's happening over there. And Hebrews 13.10 says, We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Now, he's saying this when there was still a temple, even though they were done with it, or God was done with it. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach, talking outside the city walls. You know what the writer of Hebrews is saying to the Jews right here? He's saying, let's follow Jesus outside the city walls. But you know what we have today? We've got the Jews over there going to the wailing wall, wishing they could get back inside the walls. 
weeping and wailing because they can't get back inside the walls wanting to go there. And you know what Baptists do? They go over there and they pray with them. They go over there and they pray for them. They go to the wall and they go there and they pray, God, give this spot back to the Jews who it belongs to. They're the worst ones. I wanted to go smack a guy that was over there. White dude from America over there. He's got an Israeli flag draped over his back wearing this I support Israel, I stand with Israel t-shirt. I'm like, you know what? Why don't you go walk through the Palestinian neighborhood like that? And this guy doesn't know any better. He's just doing what he's being taught in his church. But absolutely ridiculous. Folks, the writer of Hebrews says, let's follow him outside the camp. Jesus left there. He took his cross outside the city walls, outside the camp. And he's the one we go to. We do not go to Jerusalem for the things of God. We do not go to Jerusalem for the things of salvation. We leave it. And we follow after Jesus Christ. And so he says, let us go therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Why did he say that? Because you follow Jesus Christ, the Jews, your, your, your brothers, he's saying, they're going to reproach you. They're going to hate you. They're going to persecute you. But you know what? They don't have a right to the altar that we're a part of. That's what, that's what the writer of Hebrews said. For here, we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Folks, we don't have, it. We, we don't have an earthly city. We don't have a Mecca. We don't have a place we can go to. And we don't need to. You know what? We can have communion with God anywhere. We can have a relationship with God anywhere. We're not all trying to take over a land somewhere. We're all not trying to get to, uh, get to a nation and trying to go to some place. We don't have to go three times a day and pray towards Jerusalem or something like that. Folks, we can go anywhere. We can go in our prayer closet. We can go wherever we want and do these things. And so he says, By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not... For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls and they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. So notice what he goes on to tell, tell them here. He's like, you know what? We've got better sacrifices. We do the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. We're not bringing sacrifices to Jerusalem anymore. You know what you should do when you have your firstborn son? You shouldn't take two turtle doves to Jerusalem to give to the priest. You know what you should do? You ought to praise the Lord. You ought to thank God. You ought to offer the sacrifice of praise. You ought to give him the fruit of your lips. You should do good. You should communicate. You should still give. You should still be a giving person. God doesn't, God doesn't want us to now all of a sudden just consume everything for ourselves. But, you know, while we're not out there requiring things, checking up on your tithes and offerings and stuff like that, he's saying, hey, don't forget to do good. Don't forget to communicate. God's pleased with those sacrifices. You know, don't go and because you have freedom, just isolate yourself and get yourself away from the house of God and the things of God. He said, obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves so they watch for your souls. God didn't free us up so we can have no responsibilities and do nothing. God didn't give you liberty so you can just now, hey, we're all good. No church, no Bible reading, no obedience, no sacrifices. No, that's not what He did these things for. But He did free us up in a way where we can do the things of God and do it with a pure conscience. And it is. It's very easy for us to take advantage of our liberty and to let it cause us to be careless and to do nothing for God and His people. It's easy for us to do that. And that's a danger that we're all in. 
You know, it kind of stinks being a pastor in the New Testament church today. I can't force anybody to do anything. And as a result of that, because I can't force anybody to do anything, because I can't threaten you with you the law, I can't threaten to throw you into hell or anything like that, it makes it easy for people to be lazy and to not live up to their potential and to not do very good. And it stinks. Sometimes I wish the Lord gave, us, you know, gave pastors an actual rod of iron that we could rule with and stuff like that. But He hasn't. You know, we've, we've, been, we've been called to liberty and I'm just up here to be a voice to just encourage you to get off your blessed assurance and do something for God. But I, but I can't make anybody do anything. But you know what? It's better this way. It's actually better this way. Because you can do things in a pure conscience. He said in Hebrews 10.24, and let us consider one another to provoke into love and good works. And while we've gotten rid of a lot of things, and while God's done with a lot of things, and I spent a bunch of time talking about how He got rid of the priesthood, how He got how, or the earthly priesthood, how He got rid of the earthly sacrifice, He said, though, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So He's, he's telling them, you know, hey, there's still, God still has things He wants us to do. You know, He still expects things from us. But you know, God wants us to do it in liberty. God wants to do it in love. God wants to do it with a pure conscience. And because God removed Jerusalem, because God removed the temple, because God has given us His Holy Spirit, folks, you can do the right thing. Okay, I can go full tyrant here at the church and I could do a lot of bad stuff, but you know what? You could always throw me out or go to another church somewhere. You know, you're able... You're, you're not... Nobody's tied to rock falls. They're, now, over in Israel today, okay, certain pe- groups have certain you know, authority over certain areas. The Muslims have the Temple Mount right now. They've got it. They make the rules. You go up there on the Temple Mount today and you're not dressed right, ladies. A bunch of you ladies in here today, you know what? They, they put more clothes on you. If you wear a skirt up there but it's still showing some of your leg, they'll put a longer skirt on you. They've got these gray skirts with these like stripes down them so you can tell they're theirs. They put, they, they put them on you. They put scarves around ladies that don't have enough covering their tops. And then you go up there, you wear any kind of religious symbol, they'll tell you, they'll tell you to get out of there. You try going in certain ways at certain times. I went a couple times and I went up to these guys and I was just going to go try to pass this one area and they're standing there and they said, are you Muslim? I said, no. I said, you can't go this way. He said, did you listen to them? Yes, I did. They had guns. <laughs> so, uh, I, yeah, yeah, I listened to them. And, you know, they, they, they make all the rules. And it was funny watching these activist types go up there and get forced to have clothes and things put on them. I saw three, du- three or four dudes up there with skirts on, with Muslim skirts. I don't know if they were wearing little shorts or something like that, but they, like, made, they, made, they made these guys put those skirts on. I'm like, I don't want to go in the Temple Mount that bad. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not wearing that kind of thing. But, you know, folks, they have control. They decide who goes up there. They decide the rules. You know, they, they, they have full control on these things. And as a result, they are keeping people in bondage. With the Jews, we see in Jerusalem, all these things are going on. In Jerusalem, with the Jews, you have men bringing people back into bondage or keeping them in bondage by teaching them that Jerusalem is still necessary and that it needs a temple. You have men there all the time crying to a wall, wanting their temple back. You're making these pilgrimages there. Um, 
you know, the, the rebuilding of, and listen, the rebuilding of the temple will be the greatest rejection of Christ since the crucifixion. It's wicked to, to try to rebuild that temple, but they're going to do it. And the Jews feel it's completely necessary that we must have that. And they're, they're all looking for it. And so they do. Jerusalem is, is a, is, it's a really nasty city. It is not a place I would want to live. The conditions there are really bad. The roads are horrible. It's just a terrible way of life. I don't have time to go into all the things about that, but yet the Jews are all going there, trying to take over that area. You have the Muslims making their people fight the world in order to hang on to their rock that's up there and, and that building. And let me just say this. They've had that building up there since like the year 600-something. I mean, good night, folks. 1,400 years. It's kind of become yours at that point. God promised it to Israel. Well, then why don't they haven't they had it for 1,400 years? Longer, longer than that. But you know what? They're making, they're, they're making their people fight the world for that. And let me tell you something. I'll be talking about this a little bit tonight. The average Muslim don't give a rip. The average Jew don't give a rip. Any of them do get a, give a rip, it's because they've been brainwashed. It's because they've been radicalized. It's because they've been forced. It's because they've been told that they have no choice. You know what these, let me tell you, those people that are there living in these terrible conditions, living in these horrible places when there's so many more better places in the world they can go to, but yet they feel like they have to be there. You know why? Because some religious leader told them you need to be here when the Bible says you don't need to be there. When the Bible says you need to get away from there. And yet they're there. The Christians are no different. The Christians have made idols out of every place where something biblical has happened. And they're the worst ones. Over there, you know, we make fun of the Jews for making out with a wall, and they do. I, I have a, I, it was disturbing. I was like, I'm thinking, do you two need to be alone? Because it was, it was bad. And I, I've, I've got, I've got some videos. I missed the one guy. Just all of a sudden, it was where I'm just kind of standing, there and this guy just like runs up to the wall and just like starts jumping up and down, <laughs> making these weird noises and stuff. It's like, wow. I don't know. But folks, you, you go over there, you go to the Church of the Holy Sepulcher where they built this church where they believe Jesus died on the cross. They've got this big stone laid out there where they believe His body laid and was prepared, put, put, put Him in the grave. And people go and they buy these white handkerchiefs that they rub all over that stone and then they take home and they give to their friends this touch the rock where Jesus' body lay. The ladies, they all lay around that rock and they cry over it they kiss it. I mean, like, I think that's why they forced everybody to get vaccinated over there because everybody's going to get COVID because everybody kisses everything over there. It's pretty nasty. And I could go on and on with, with the idolatry that's going on over there. It's absolutely nuts. And we wonder why Jews and Muslims think so bad of Christians over there. You know why? You go to the Christian quarters in Jerusalem it's the most idolatrous places that you'll ever see. And idolatry is strictly forbidden in the law. And yet Christians are the most idolatrous of all the people. They worship equally weird stuff. I mean, the, the Muslims are actually the least idolatrous out of everybody. And they've got their own you know, areas where they cross some lines too. But you go on and on talking about some of the things that I saw over there, the things I videoed that were 
just unbelievable. But, you know, the dirty little secret about all these places where biblical events happen is that nobody really knows where anything took place. You know why? Because God wanted Jerusalem and these things to be forgotten. It became heaps. And, you know, and let me just tell you, most of the places where biblical events happen, you know how they figured it out? Constantine's mom, 300 years later, through dreams and visions. If you ever go to a church in Europe, almost every church over there has a piece of the cross over there. You know how they found a piece of the cross where Jesus died? Or how they found the cross that Jesus died on 300 years later? Somebody like dug up three crosses somewhere around Jerusalem and Constantine's mom knew one of them was a cross Jesus died on. And so she like laid down and they put one of the crosses over and she didn't feel nothing. And then they put another one over. She didn't feel nothing. And then they put the third one over and she felt something. And that was it. But you know what? We'll all go over to Jerusalem. We'll pay all mon- this money you know, and go just eat up all this. And you know, it, it's cool. The architecture is cool at these places. The history is neat at these places. But nobody really knows where these things happen. And you know what? We don't need to know. You know why? Because we actually have something better than the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. We've got the Gospels. That's a lot better. We've got, we've got something better than the stone manger that the Catholics have Catholiced up like crazy in Bethlehem. We've got Luke 2. We have, that, that's better. And you don't, and if you want to go to Jerusalem and visit those places, or, or Bethlehem, by all means, go ahead and do it. I, I, I'd like to do it again someday. I'd like to take my wife there someday and show her things. It, you know, it, there's a lot of neat history there. But, again, I want to go to Egypt too. I want to go see the pyramids too. I don't think it's a sin to do that, but we don't have to have these things. But another thing we need to understand too, as long as there's liberty, many will suffer the consequences of sin and deal with the effects of having a carnal, of living a carnal, lawless life. But Galatians 5.13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And folks, there is, there is a real joy in knowing that you're doing right for the right reasons. Over there in Jerusalem, you have no choice. Nobody's offering choices over there. No, nobody's offering options over there. So every, every biblical place you can go, there's some religion that has full control. And we got in fights with all of them in the last week or so because a lot of them didn't like us bringing the, Brother Paul's big fancy video camera and stuff, and they got freaked out about it. I got yelled at by multiple priests uh, when I was over there. Got one of it on video uh, that uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing. But um, and, and, and there's so many stories. I, I don't have time to go into all these things. But these people are told what to do. They're told how to do it. And folks, we don't need any of that stuff. I don't need those priests. I don't need any of those things. There is doing the right things for the right reason our best. I'm not going to read the whole portion of Scripture, but in Psalms 119, I like what David said. He said, I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. God's law gives us liberty. Okay? Now, man forcing you to do something, a religion forcing something upon you, that's not pleasant. Somebody, can, somebody forcing you to do something you're not convinced of, that's not liberty. But, you know, again, just because we have liberty... It's not an excuse for us to be careless and not give a rip. 
But folks, what a blessing it is for us to know that how I worship, how I pray, how I walk with God, how I, how I follow the Scriptures, I'm convinced in my conscience, I'm convinced in my heart that this is what God wants me to do. There's real peace in that. There's a real joy that comes from that. Over there, you know, we, you, you, if we can be a light to those people somehow, that's great and that's wonderful. You give them a glimpse of light though, we have no idea what it would take for them to change their ways and to get right. We have no idea, most of us, what it would be like for them. And we're very blessed to, you know, I, I'm very blessed to have been born in America and been raised in a Baptist home. But listen, if you live in America, you don't really have any excuse for being in bondage. No one can make you do anything religiously in America. Now, in other countries, they can make you do things religiously. I, I have a video. There's this one hill where there's a gazillion houses, this gazillion junky houses. It's, it's crazy. And then you got speakers everywhere. You can just hear all these Muslim prayers going on. Basically telling everybody, it's time to pray. Jews do the same thing too. I don't know what was going on when we were in Tel Aviv. We were sitting there eating lunch and all of a sudden there was like a whole bunch of Jews that came out of this building and they were all standing kind of looking towards where we are. And some of them are, you know, doing this and like praying. It was, it was prayer time or something. And then a bunch of them were just standing there. You could tell they were forced. Some of them believed it. Some of them were forced. You know, it was just, apparently it was a Jewish company. It's like, all right, prayer time, folks. Listen, no, you know what? You're not going to accomplish. If I have to force you to pray, you're not going to get anything done. Did you know that? If I have to force you to come to church, you're not going to get anything out of it. If I have to force you to obey the scriptures, you're not going to get a blessing from it. And, and again, we, ha we have liberty and it doesn't mean, you know, be lazy, but you know what? Let's, let's use this liberty for the glory of God. For our advantage, it's so much better. And listen, just because nobody can make you do anything religiously in America, it doesn't mean you can't still allow someone to put you in bondage. And there's a lot of people in churches in America today that are, that are in bondage. But it's because somebody let them. You know, it's because they let somebody. We have freedom. We have God's Word. And, if you have the Holy, and you have the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, you have everything you need. The only thing stopping people from having a real walk with God in America today is their own selfish flesh. That's it. If you're not walking with God today, it's because of your flesh. That, that's it. We might sacrifice some little things here and there depending on our situations, but not like it is in some of these other countries. I can't even imagine trying to have a walk with God living someplace like Jerusalem. I, 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 can't, I can't imagine that. And you know what? I'm not going to try. I'm not called to go there. I'm not called to be a part of that city. I'm going to stay away from there. And you, what we got to realize, deliverance has come. Most of us here were born in freedom and any bondage that we found ourselves in is because we voluntarily walked into it. But you know, thanks to Christ, we do have the ability to break free from it. You have everything you need and we just need to use that liberty to walk in the Spirit and don't let anyone stop you. Jesus said, last verse, we'll close with this, Luke 4.17, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And watch this. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. You know what he told these people in that synagogue when he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? You know what he did? He told them that they were brokenhearted, that they were captives, that they were blind, and that they were bruised. And they were. A lot, of them, a lot of them didn't see themselves as that way. That's exactly how Jesus saw them. And you know what? What I see when I look at people in Jerusalem, when I watch people play into a rock, when I see, when I see Christians paying for handkerchiefs that they can rub on a stone that Jesus supposedly laid on, when I watch Muslims praying to Mecca, listen to all these things, I see people in bondage. I, that, that's what I see. And you know what? They need the light of Jesus Christ and they need it shown on somebody who's not hiding their light under a bushel, not by fake Christians like the Catholics over there, not by Christians who are going over there and praying with the Jews at a wall, you know, draped in an Israeli flag, participating with the Muslims and crying over the, you know, the tombs and things like that. These, these are things that ultimately are being used to make money to get control. Everyone's to every, the Muslims are all telling their people, this is special to you because Muhammad descended to heaven here. Okay, it's special to us because you know, so that's what they're telling us. The Jews are saying, this is special to you. You guys need to be attached to the city because the temple was there. We've got to get that temple rebuilt. That's not true, but that's what they've been told. And, even, and then Christians, Catholics, you know, you need to come worship these places because this is where Jesus does these things. You need to go walk down the Via Della Rosa crying. I watched a whole group of them. Catholics walking. They were like chanting these prayers and crying as they, as they walked down that road. It was weird. And it's just like, again, I'm, I'm not bashing visiting those places. If you get a chance, do it. But we don't need to have that. We are... We have everything we need right here. You know why? Because God wants people to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And Jerusalem, we will probably never know where all these things happen. You know why? Because we don't need to. Because if God wanted it to be forgotten, because God was done. God was done with that city for the time being. And I'm not interested in Jerusalem until Jesus is back there. When He, when he goes back, you know, then we'll do something about it because he's there. But until then, don't let people make you know, merchandise out of you with these things or convince you you need it spiritually. You can have everything you need, even in Illinois. Even in Illinois, we've got what we need thanks to the new, new covenant. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you'll, this message was a help and a blessing to everyone. Lord, I, I do pray for those who are in bondage. Lord, not even just in Jerusalem. We... Sadly, uh, many people in America, they have allowed uh, religious leaders to pull them into bondage by teaching just false things and creating a dependence on uh, things that we're not supposed to be dependent on. Lord, I pray to help people to learn the truth uh, of the Scriptures, to understand what liberty is all about and how to use that liberty for your glory. And I pray you'll help us to...
continuing reaching people uh, with the gospel. And I pray you'll help us to just be uh, lights in this dark world we're living in. In your name we pray. Amen.